I'm Ben Carter, your life transformation coach, and I've been sent, called, and commissioned to help you live your very best life. Join me on Ben the Life Coach Radio Show. I can't wait to support your leap into victory. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for joining me tonight. Said it feels good in here. I can feel the love. Yeah, gone. taking the time and listening and tuning in, learning some things, laughing at me, debating in your head. This is Ben Carter, your favorite life coach in the whole wide world. Who else do you love more? (laughs) It's me. Welcome back. This particular show is called The Love Show, so stick around. Stick around. It's going to be good. We're going to be talking about falling in love and fighting for love and using love as a tool to forgive and heal with. So this particular show is going to include a lot of different topics. We're going to talk a little politics, just a teeny bit, just a teeny teeny bit, because you know I hate that conversation, but it's necessary. We're going to talk about romantic love, and we're going to talk about using love as a tool to help heal one another and really change the world. You know, so if you guys are interested in me as your life coach, I, I, I've got to brag on myself a little bit. I've got to pat myself on the back. I am really good at this. Um, <laughs> I have lived through a lot of crap to be able to help support you in jumping out of your crap and leaping into your victory. So if you are interested, always go to my website, www.livellcoaching.com. Dot com, sign up, download the free ebooks, Mirror Mirror, Who Am I, Seven Days of Victory. There's so many good resources. The free 22 minute workshop, it is called Spotlight Year Workshop. Shine the light on you and your life. There are a lot of things that I have over there that I just do, that I just write because I have developed this love for people. I love people and I love people when they are at their best and in their best and pursuing their wellness and pursuing their purpose. So I've got a lot of resources. I am working on a brand new, come on, clap with me. Yay! Brand new what is going to be Facebook group for those of you who may have been a part of my 
group uh, about a year and a half ago. It was called Embody Victory Today. Um, very, very deep spiritual work that we did there. And it wasn't supposed to be. It was just the nature of that group. This group is going to be called Life Support. You got it. Life Support. That's what life co coaches do, man. We support you in your life. And if you are ready, you know, I do not mince words, but I absolutely love on you so hard that after I get finished pinching on you and pulling you out of your bull, you know, I help you stand firm in your victory. So that's what it's all about. Look out for those things that I have coming down the pipeline. There's a new ebook that's coming. There are new live uh, mo motivational speaking engagements. There's a big event I'm working on. So those of you in the tri-state area, it's 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 getting big, man. It's getting big. <laughs> so to this show, to this show, why this show? This show because it is Black History Month and I'm a black man, <laughs> you know, and I'm loving on myself. I'm loving on my people. I'm loving on what we make up and what we bring to the universal table of uh, ethnic cultures. So I'm loving on those people. I'm loving on the brown skin. I'm loving on the deep, full lips and hips and nose and thighs and kinky hair. You know, if you see my videos, I'm always roughing it. So I'm loving on my people and then I'm loving everyone. You know, I'm loving everyone. I love everyone. You know, I do a lot of love work. That's what I do. And um, the, the name of the show, I stole it a little bit from Kim Burrell. Kim Burrell is a fantastic um, vocal stylist, an amazing singer, uh, who just so happens to sing Christian-based music. But one of her albums was called The Love Album, where she really, it was really like love songs to uh, Christ. And she put some secular stuff on there. Beautiful. It was just really, really beautiful and really jazzy, my kind of thing. And so... All of this is kind of inspired by that and really just wanting to show love to people who are wounded and who are hurting and who need to hear it even if they don't believe it and even if they see me as a stranger I love you I love you I love you get that take that believe that receive that right now receive that right now in the mighty name of love I love you so we want to get into the show Get into the show, uh-uh, get into the show, what? <laughs> so listen, let's think about this. Let's think about what love really is, right? It's really difficult sometimes to put our fingers on it and to really say what love is because we've really blurred the lines. We've really blurred the lines. You know, some of us say, we, we love sex. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Don't ask me why. I might be a nasty little boy, but don't ask me why. But I, when people say they love sex, and I'm like, no, you don't really love sex. You love the, the feeling of what sex brings. You love the intimacy, but you don't know how to put that into words. You don't know how to put that into words. You love what would be intimate. Um, or at least that's my perception. There are some people out there that are probably debating with me right now saying, no, um, no, it's the sexual part that I love, Ben. I don't know why that's the first thing that came to my mind. Maybe someone listening to the show 
um, is under false pretense about what they really love about the sexual experience uh, and might be looking for something deeper, something more. Um, so that might be it. I don't know. You know, maybe that was for someone. Just throwing that out there. But love is really one of those things where it's difficult to uh, kind of pinpoint and put your finger on. And so when I think about love and what love is for me, it is unconditional. That's the second word that just came up. Uncondition unconditional relentless. You know, without conditions, without boundaries, in, in a way that says, you know, well, unless you, you know, I'm going to put this brick wall up and my love stops at this brick wall. I don't believe that there's a boundary with love, but I do believe that there's a respect element, right? So remember my show, Boundaries Versus Conditions, where you set boundaries based on how you are going to demand respect, and if people don't respect you, then you don't show up. You still love them unconditionally, but if they cannot respect your boundary, you do not show up at all. You are not present in their lives, but your love is still very much relevant, and your love is still very much supporting them. Might be from a distant, baby. <laughs> I might got, I might have to pull back on you, sugar. <laughs> but I still love you deep. I still pray for you much. Um, and I think about you often. But you're disrespectful, you're dismissive, and guess what? I have to disengage. <laughs> back up. <laughs> so, love is unexplainable. Love is multidimensional. Love is multi-spiritual meaning that it spans reaches across you know the 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 heavens and the paradise and the solars and the universe and the orbits and the stratosphere it just exists and when people ask me well how do you know that I go to a very dark place I say listen have you ever lost someone has anyone in your life ever died and they go yes and I go did the love die? And they go, no. And I go, there you go. <laughs> There's a lot of going going on. <laughs> but that's that's how I touch it. Real quick, in 30 seconds. If you've ever lost someone, the love doesn't go away. And that's the most painful part of death, is that love is still so very relevant and significant and real and raw. Um, and it just oozes out of your being because the person that you loved is not there for you to actually shower that on you know are you getting where I'm going make sense so can we get into it can we talk about it real quick just a teensy bit this politics you know all of a sudden when I even say the word politics I hear um, there used to be not used to be but there is a song Biggie Smalls first song where the hell is he going with hip-hop and politics right Way back in the day, it must have been like 1992, 93, and there was a radio station I used to listen to all the time. Played all of the underground hip-hop, and I remember when they were breaking Biggie. This was before um, the Ready to Die album came out. I bet you guys didn't know what I know about hip-hop. You didn't think that I was that guy, did you? What was this song called? Party and Bullsh, and Party and Bullsh. When I think of politics that's what I think of a bunch of people disconnected from the the real people kind of partying in their own mind in their own heads in their own group their own political party their own 
agenda and bullshitting us. I'm sorry, excuse me, I had to say it, but that's what's happening, right? So when we look at what's taking place with some of the people that want to represent us and lead us, you you have to stand back and, and ask yourself or just flat out go, you don't love me. There's no way that you can love me, right? And I know that we don't normally speak that way. It doesn't make sense for us to speak that way. We don't typically speak that way as a, a culture of people, uh, you know, a nation. We don't talk like that. You don't love me, not when we're talking politics, but I do. And when I'm saying it the way that I'm saying it, what I really mean is you don't even love me or know me enough to represent me. Hell, I don't even believe that you like me. <laughs> I don't think that I fit in the box of people that you like, that you prefer, right? So when I talk about love, in order to be in a position of leadership or a position of protecting people and guiding people, the common factor should be that you at least love people. You want to see people grow and develop and expand. You want to see the United States be the centerpiece of the entire world, of the, the entire economic, intellectual, emotional world. You want this to be the centralized hub for people to come and get their healing in every dimension in their lives, right? But that's not what I'm seeing, feeling, hearing, experiencing, and it's disgusting because in order for you to want to stand in front of a nation and lead a nation, you have to at least have a love for the nation to help develop and cultivate ideas and concepts that will allow you to push us forward universally instead of this segregated bullcrap that we're, de we're dealing with. And bullcrap and bullspit are my favorite words tonight. I'm sorry. They just are. Um, call me ignorant. Call it lack of a better uh, term, um, an underdeveloped vocabulary. I don't give a dang what you call it, but that's what I'm calling it. You know, call the bullcrap the bullcrap, right? So I don't see that there's a, a great deal of compassion, you know, and I think that when people get into these positions, you know, all too often they love the position more than they love the people. They love the salaries more than they love the fairness and the equality of the people. So my question is, how can you protect, lead, support who and what you do not love? Did you hear me? How can you protect, lead, support, govern, aid, assist, who and or what you do not love. Sit on that for a minute. Just sit on it. So let's just soak in it for a minute. The answer is you don't. You don't. You cannot be in service of someone you do not feel is worthy of your service. Do you get that? <laughs> What the F, man? You cannot serve people that you don't respect. You cannot protect and serve people that you feel are not worthy of your service and your protection, who are beneath you. We clearly see this happening 
from the politicians to the public officials to our local officers and not all okay hear me when i say this not all because i am close to um, family members of local law and uh, officers and enforcers who are phenomenal i was pulled over twice last year and both of those police officers were phenomenal they were beautiful spirits <laughs> okay they were great um but the truth of the matter is that that's not the case you know that's not the case we are experiencing way too much way too much loss under the guise of people who are supposed to be protecting loving us that's what that means you and if you don't love if you don't love, if you don't have compassion, if you don't have respect, then you cannot protect and you cannot serve. You might be able to debate me on other things. I might be a free spirit and willing to listen to any and everything that you say, but on that particular topic, I cannot hear you. I cannot receive you because what we've been getting back is death, death after death, after death, after death, right? So you cannot be in service of someone you do not feel is worthy of your service by sheer definition that's misrepresentation we need to be suing somebody <laughs> you know what has happened is is our our government and our law enforcement it's become a body that is riddled with and being eaten up with the cancer right there is there are some organs that work you know there are some organs that work but some of the major organs and some of the major arteries are blocked and some of the major organs that we're dealing with here that are blocked is the heart we are not loving each other the way that we are supposed to because if we were I should not be able to just throw names out like Trayvon Martin and you know exactly what I'm talking about Eric Gardner, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Freddie Gray, Baltimore, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Walter Scott, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. Tamir Rice, and you know exactly what I'm talking about. This is ridiculous that I'm able to say these names, and you go, up. Oh, well, yeah, mm, okay, yeah, Ferguson, yeah, mm. It's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. A lot of us, and I'm just recently finding out, last year, the, the tail end of last year, India Kager. India Kager was a U.S. Navy. She was in the military, gunned down. The cops shot at her car 30 times with her four, believe her baby was four months, four-month-old baby in the car, shot at the car 30 times. No one has been brought to justice for that. At some point, we've got to say there's a heavy fear factor and a heavy hate factor that's taking place, you all. And all I'm saying is, in, in order for us to get to a place of resolve, we got to start loving each other or at least admit that we don't. Because I don't think a lot of folks who go into these fields and who want these jobs and these roles, I think a lot of it is, is ego-based. I think a lot of it is position-based. I think a lot of it is money-based. I think a lot of it is power-based. I don't think it has a lot to do with I love mankind and I am here to bridge the gap 
and I am here to desegregate in areas where we are currently segregated and fill those gaps with love, understanding, and respect. I sound like a tree-hugging Martin Luther King quote. Ooh, don't I? Don't I? <laughs> I do. Don't I? I sound like a Jesus-following hippie. I do. You know, a Gandhi-quoting, Mother Teresa-loving. I know that's what I sound like. And I'm shocking myself because I don't know where it came from. I think what happened for me because it happened for me, is when I started to release my nasty attitude, my, my disdain, my misery, my depression, my anger, when all of that started to melt away, all that was left was love. And now I'm filled with so much of it, it's my responsibility to spread it. But I've got to spread it responsibly. And responsibly means I have to touch on some of these nasty topics that I hate talking about. I hate talking about this kind of stuff. I do. I'd much rather talk about your purpose, having fun, you know, figuring out how you can bring in multiple streams of income, you know, building your business. But the truth of the matter is, is that we've got to build each other or we're going to turn around and the community, the state, the nation as we know it will look like something uh, from 60 years ago on steroids, literally, right? So in order for us to get to this point, we've just got to drop down into our humanity. We've got to come out of our social class, erase that. We've got to come out of our nationality, creed, race, ethnicity, erase that. We've got to come out of our gender, erase that, and drop into the core of our being, and that is human being. The one thing we all have in common, we've got to drop to the core. We've got to get in our heart space and we've got to say, yeah, we all are screwing up in some capacity. And so guess what? I've got to, I've got to pay this love forward and openly through the airwaves out of my mouth into the universe say, I love you, India Kager. I love you, Sandra Bland. I love you, Trayvon Martin. I love you, Tamir Rice. I love you, Eric Gardner. I love you, Freddie Gray. I love you, Walter Scott. I forgive those who have transgressed against you. I send them my love. I pray, I pray that they find peace. I pray that there is justice done. I pray that we all understand what we have done to each other as a nation, as a culture, as individuals. I pray that at some point we can move beyond this foolishness that we have so skillfully crafted as a nation, as a planet. We have worked really hard to build up a tradition of hate. We We've worked really hard to maintain that. And at some point, we've got to let down that hard heart and just let love seep out, seep through, fill up, and profess it and pro proclaim it. So I love. I do. You know, I love. I love. At some point, we're going to have to just give it unconditionally, uncontrollably, because that is the healing.
talk about it, yeah. Talk about it. and having a conversation around things like our differences and our our background and the things that take place in my house that may or may not take place in your house and getting to a place where we're comfortable enough to talk about it and being able to resolve conflict without violence and without belittle, belittling one another and hating on one another in a way that it turns into death and it turns into misunderstanding. I think the natural design and the natural order of this planet was that we were supposed to be multicultural and multifaceted and we were supposed to use the differences to build upon and create something extremely beautiful. I think for as far as we are with technology, we are probably uh, centuries behind where we could be uh, with medicine and technology and number one, emotional capacity and understanding. I think one of the, and this is my, I call myself an emotional scientist, I think one of the reasons why, and this has been speaking, one of the reasons why we have not tapped into the use of our entire heart and brain space is because those areas are completely filled with indifference, hate, you know, I think they're filled with the lack of wanting to understand, I think they are filled with disengagement, I think if we completely fell in our heart space and came out of our isms, then that's when we'll see the expansion and the real evolution take place, right? That's me on my thing right there. That's I call myself sometimes an emotional scientist. You know, my last show was I would have been an atheist. You know, there's a, a deep lover of science way down on the inside of me, just kind of waiting to come out, maybe in the next phase of my life. <laughs> but that's what I believe, and I think that when we get to the place of conflict resolution, we've got to understand the difference between, you know, enabling hate and loving each other because we are different. 
you know, we, we enable hate and we co-sign foolishness. We co-sign bullcrap. You know, the water cooler conversations where we are talking about Beyonce and everyone's up in a rage because she's got her hot sauce in her purse. Her hot sauce in her purse. And she doing something in the video. And I don't know the rest. Formation. Formation. I know that's completely off, but... <laughs> Folks went crazy over this performance in this video. And I'm like, uh, excuse me, you all love Beyonce. Y'all love Beyonce. What happened? All the single ladies, all the single ladies. What happened? You know, every single woman of every nationality loves uh, Beyonce. And now all of a su sudden, because she makes this statement that is a little bit too dark for some of us. You don't understand what I'm saying? It's a little bit. I don't understand what she was saying. I don't know. Do you get it? I don't get it. You know, because there's a little bit to, to the left, to the left, with the, the statement she was making. First of all, you have to ask yourself this. Did she lie? Was there anything about the video, even the performance, that was a lie? Was there anything in there that was untrue? And how do we go from loving someone as a pop icon in this generation to hating them based on the expression of a single song? We have got to check ourselves because we are full of shh. Come on now. This is what I'm saying. How do you go from, you know, all the women who's independent and and being bootylicious to this. It's just one facet. It's just one dimension of who she is. And listen, I, I like Beyonce. I enjoy her. I don't want the Beehive to come after me. Uh, they are relentless and cruel and irrational and drone, zombie-like. But I love you guys. I love you. <laughs> don't come for me, please. I love Beyonce. I do. I've purchased music. Love her. Um, but this is just one thing that she's done. And some of the conversations that I've heard around the water cooler, I'm like, we need to be able to speak about this in open dialogue. You know, so many of us are misinformed about some of the messages that she was sending. We say things that are hurtful and that are painful and some things that I've heard. And I'm like, you know, that's really unfortunate that you think and feel that way. You know, but those statements enable hate. And I just want to get back to the place of loving the artist and the performer and being able to have a clear, conscious, aware conversation of, around the statements that she's making and what pushed the statement. That's what I want to have a conversation around, not whether or not she should be boycotted against, but the relevance and the significance of what she's saying. Is there anything there worth talking about? Should we stop deflecting and creating these distractions around the real issue, which is how much we hate each other, how much we hate each other? It's convenient to love someone when it's comfortable, but it becomes really, really really unnervingly easy for us to start hating when someone says something that makes us slightly uncomfortable. And that's the stuff we need to check, what we're uncomfortable with, right? And in order for us to address 
conflict resolution, we've got to use love and comp compassion. You know, one of the things that I think about is um, drug addiction and drug rehabilitation. Everyone at this point, it, unfortunately, it's a, a universal conversation. Someone has experienced a family member, a friend going through um, an addiction related situation or issue, alcohol, drugs, prescription medication, whatever it is nowadays, we've all experienced it. And the reason why I'm using that as an example, because it makes me think about conflict resolution, how difficult it must be to deal with someone that you love in the grips of addiction. So I'll never forget, I'll never forget having a conversation with the parent who says that she gives her uh, son five to ten dollars a day just so he could feed his habit just so that he could feed his habit and I said excuse me miss excuse me while I go off on you I said you are absolutely enabling him enabling him his rock bottom is never going to come if you keep cushioning his fall he has to fall and damn near break his neck. You are not coming from a place of support. You're coming from a place of enablement, which means you are really fixating on him remaining as an addict. And you're doing it because you don't want there to be an issue. You don't want him to have a fit. You don't want him to rob your house. You don't want to have to scream. You don't want to have to worry about him going to jail. However, my dear, these are the choices that your son has made. And if you hit rock bottom before he does, then chances are he'll end up burying you as an addict. He'll be the addict at your funeral. Ask me how I know. <laughs> Ask me how I know. So conflict resolution isn't always pretty. It's not always nice, but it, 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 it does open up with, I love you. I love you in a way that makes me crazy. And I am trying to put myself in your position and understand what's happening with you. That's the thing. We don't acknowledge that something is happening to one another. We don't acknowledge it, we don't validate it, and when we're not acknowledged and validated, we feel like we're backed into a corner and we come out fighting, kicking, screaming, scratching eyeballs out, and that does not work. So we've got to, you guys, we've got to figure out how to sit down and have this love dialogue, even in your romantic relationships, right? I am, you know, if any of my family is listening now, they know, woo! Those youngs, see, my daddy is a young. Those youngs, man, they are something else, something else. The mouth is flippant, the attitude is nasty and raw, and we are down for whatever. We don't back down. There is no back down. There is no back down. As a matter of fact, we'll tell you punks jump up to get beat down. <laughs> <laughs> there's no there's no back down and so what I'm saying is is I understand because I want to be right or I want it to be right so I get that and sometimes being right is not resolution being right is one side of the team wins we see this all day I'm not gonna call you out political parties but you know 
as as a citizen of this country one political party being right over the other doesn't always make my life better <laughs> do you get it do you understand what i'm saying so it's just like in a relationship with with two parents and a child the one parent being right doesn't always make it right for the child someone is still suffering and i don't need to be right I just need us to fix this situation. We need to be we need to be able to come to a resolve, right? Right. <laughs> and how do we do that? I know you've got to love. You've got to you've got to stop and it's a muscle. It's a muscle because we've been conditioned to not use love first. Love is the last thing that we come to when we are weak, down in the dumps, nowhere else to go. That's when we come to love. It's kind of like, you know, you do everything that you can do. And when it's the 11th hour, your back is up against the wall. That hammer is about to, you know, hit that that panel or whatever the, the gaffle the judge uses. And you call on the name of the good Lord. You say, God, if you're out there, I haven't prayed in 12 years, 16 months, three weeks in 22 hours but good lord if you are out there if you get me out of this situation i promise i'll never rob a 7-eleven for a slurpee ever again i'll never do it i'll never do it and you get out of it right and that's the only time you call on love and that's what we do we we are conditioned to not put love first it's kind of like lenny kravitz said what was his song we gotta let love rule it's what you got to do. My my favorite was, are you going to go my way? Are you going to go my way? <laughs> but we've, we've got to love. We've got to love, and it's difficult. And listen, I feel you right now uncomfortable with that because people don't want to love what they don't know. And that's not how love works. You love, and then you find all the other stuff out. Love doesn't require you to get hurt. Love doesn't mean that you have to make stupid mistakes like open yourself up emotionally and physically and financially to people. Love just means, hey, from one human to another. I love that fact that you exist. You're unique. You're divine. You're a beautiful individual. I want to get to know you. I want to get to experience you. But that does not mean that I have to give my entire being to you. I'm giving my love to you. Love don't cost a thing. Who said that? That's another song. Even if we were broke, my love don't call up. That was J-Lo, Jenny from the block, right? Benny from the block, Benny from the block. <laughs> I crack myself up. I do, I do, I do. But I love, I love music. I love life. I love to laugh. But this is what I'm saying. So even for those of us, even for those of us who are attempting to fall in love, you know, we, we have to fight for love and we have to fight for love in multiple uh, capacities. We've got to fight for love when we deal with the legality of life, you know, that political stuff, that, that law enforcement stuff and demand that, hey, if you don't love people, you probably should not take this exam and go through that brutal um, boot camp to protect the people because you don't love them. You don't even like them. You know, that's pretty silly. Do something else. Don't put yourself in a position of your life being threatened because that's what it is. 
there is more fear than there is love. And, and with fear, there is death. And so that's why we see what we see, because you've got a lot of folks who are afraid and angry that they have to protect people that they don't necessarily love and respect. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if it's something different, say what it is, but you've got to have unconditional love. Sometimes you've got to fight so hard for love that you've got to love people in some instances more than they love themselves. You've got to love people so much that you see beyond their, their current behavior and their current position in life. And you're loving them because they do exist. That's it. You're loving them because there is a heart that is pumping. There is a brain that is hopefully thumping. <laughs> and that's what you're loving. And so as we move into the romance, the romantic world, one thing, and you all know this, I've been saying this, you've been hearing it way before me back in the day with Oprah Baby, Dr. Phil, um, Phil Donahue, remember him? Uh, Sally, Jesse, Raphael, all of them. You've got to love yourself first. And again, that's not something that we're conditioned with. As babies, the first things people we love is to eat. <laughs> we love our mama, we love our dad, dad. You know, then we start to love our friends and then we start to love toys and things. And then once we've developed our personalities and our bad habits, we realize that we've missed out on the first 18 years of really loving ourselves. And so we start making poor decisions because there isn't that awareness and love of self that lives way down on, on the inside of us. And so in order for us to get to a place of extending our hearts to someone in a romantic one-on-one -on -one relationship, we, in a perfect world, <laughs> in a perfect world, would have developed a strong sense of self. And one of the things that I mean by that is that I've been in relationships for a long time and I brought a lot of my own self-hate into my relationship and projected it. Uh, into and onto the relationship. Um, I've even gone as far as sometimes as saying the relationship made me fat. <laughs> what kind of bullshit is that, Ben? Yeah, the relationship made me fat. It's this relationship's fault that I'm a pig, you know. Um, but the self-love part is I had to step back and go, even if you weren't in the relationship, you probably would still gorge that blueberry scone. You probably would still eat that chocolate cake. You probably would still have those four pieces of candy. You probably would still have two biscuits and a chicken wing. You still would do that, Ben. So what are you talking about, buddy? What's going on, buddy? Remember that? <laughs> and so I had to address those issues and... You know, say, take your big, fat, nasty self to a, to a gym and start eating better and cleaner and becoming more conscious and loving on yourself and treating yourself the way that you want to be treated. Because so many of us are leaping outside of ourselves for love and we have not cultivated and or implemented a, a systemic love structure within ourselves that sustain us when no one else is around. That's why we fall apart when we don't have, you know, the girlfriend or the boyfriend or the friends uh, or the money 
because we've not cultivated and created this system of support that is rooted and grounded in love and in faith on the inside. And until we get to that point, you know, even if we do find someone, we'll hop from one relationship to the next, to the next, to the next, because the love that we're really looking for, the way that we want that person to love on us, we have to do it to ourselves, for ourselves. Do it to yourself. Get your nasty mind out the gutter. You're so nasty. You nasty thing. Get your mind out the gutter. We have to do it for ourselves. So that means that love that you're searching for, you know, the last six years you've been in six relationships. The, lo the love that you're searching for, person, whoever I'm talking to, you've got to treat yourself that way because that's what you're looking for. And until you have defined and created that structure for yourself, no one else will be able to love on you. You will never be satisfied and or content because you've not done it for yourself. So that's just, you know, it's the equivalent of wanting love so bad that you start using desperation. You use desperate tactics. You'll give anything. You'll go anywhere. You know, you'll do anything. You'll start playing games. You know, sometimes you become per uh, promiscuous. I've said this before. You can't want a a intimate, monogamous relationship and, and try to use promiscuity to get it. It just doesn't work. It just doesn't work. So even though I'm using those topics, you guys, the the goal is that we start thinking more about love and focusing less on the things that we hate, like all of those isms that aren't even necessary to to discuss. So if you really want to be able to deal with the self-inflicted complexities of your life, from your romance to the political bullcrap that's going on to your even your professional conflicts, you've got to start focusing on love. Yes, 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 I know it makes you uncomfortable, but you have to change your focus. You have got to look somewhere else and you've got to start looking into and looking at love. You've got to stop being super uber religious and just be love. You've got to stop being your agenda and your race and your social class and your financial status and your wealth and the things that you have, your professional positions, and just start being a loving, kind, caring, supportive human being. You have to. And so you ask me, Ben, how do I do that? How do I get to the point of just being love and not worry about getting hurt? How do I get to the point of, you know, stop being so judgmental and hateful and, and close mind, because I know I am, and just be love? Well, you got to do what my mother used to say I was crazy for doing. <laughs> She's going to say, are you talking to yourself? And I would say, I sure am. I'm the smartest person I know. <laughs> You've got to talk to yourself. I'm being serious. The, this week's acronym, write this down on a sticky note in your phone, on a post-it, T-T-Y-S, T-T-Y-S, T-T-Y-S. Talk to yourself. Talk to yourself. Ask yourself, am I making the best decision or am I only doing what feels good? Think about it because what might be the best decision and what feels good in the moment are two totally different things. 
And when you start talking to yourself, I know what they used to say back in the day. If you answer yourself, you're crazy. You're bona fide crazy. Actually, if you get to the point of being able to objectively answer yourself, you are borderline genius, baby. <laughs> now, don't tell your therapist that. <laughs> but what I mean is, if you get to the point where you can objectively go, now, Ben, you know that would be a dumb decision. It might feel good for, you know, the time being, but that is ultimately going to hurt you. That is risky, not smart. Then that's where you start getting to the point of making loving decisions. Loving decisions. Ask yourself, am I responding from a place of fear, right? Am I responding from a place of fear? Am I behaving this way because I don't understand this person? I don't understand this race. I don't understand this topic. I don't understand their situation. And so is my response fear-based? And is that fear rooted in some kind of hate because I lack understanding? You've got to ask yourself, am I well-versed in the knowledge of this subject? Am I well-versed in the knowledge of this person? Am I well versed in the knowledge of this religion? Am I well versed in the knowledge of this religion? Lumping everything under Islam or Muslim and only this kind of person is this. Are you well versed? Have you studied? Do you know? Because knowledge is power and the more you know, the more you grow. I know that's corny and cliche, but the more you know, the more it expands you and it grows you and releases the fear. Because when you come into the knowledge of something, you, you embrace the loving aspects and you just choose to release anything that does not work. That's how we do it. We talk to ourselves. Listen, we talked about a lot. We talked about a lot. We talked about politics and conflict resolution and a little bit about romantic love. But And even Miss... Mrs. Knowles Carter herself. We've talked about all of that stuff, but it is all around love. And even though I joke and I sing and I play and I have my opinion and I make up my own words, you know how I do it. I'm my own dictionary. The truth of the matter is, is that I love you. I do. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you believe or how you feel about me. I love every human being. I might hate your action. I might even hate a part of your personality and how you choose to behave. But I love you because I understand that in order for me to reach you and touch you, I've got to drop in my complete heart space because that's what makes us all the same. Our heart, our mind, our spirit, not our color, not our gender, not our financial status, none of those ridiculous isms. And in order for us to start getting to a place of really living in love, we've got to start talking about love more. We've got to start thinking about love more. We've got to start using love as a tool, as a resolution tool to forgive, to love. That's why you've got to talk to yourself. And after you talk to yourself, then pray for your brother, pray for your sister, I love you. I pray for you. I pray your wellness. I pray your mental, your psychological, your emotional, your financial, your environmental expansion. 
I pray that the hand of the Creator keep and cover you. I pray that we come together in love, that your families be protected, that your families be covered in love, that no weapon formed against you shall prosper, that justice fall on us like rain, that it drenches us, washes us clean. I pray that love make us whole. I pray love into your household, into your car, into your heart, into your mind, wherever you are. From my heart to yours, I love you so much. I love you too much, maybe three much. Until next time. Some search for a lifetime It hurts and I know to live for and don't find Can't smile until Until my record shows And everyone here knows That it's real So how can I The heart that is filled with such joy, the words that I say express the way that I feel, but it's more than just a feeling, it's the reality of this whole Which is the real?